The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're getting into the meat of the summer, and we're here to break down the NBA draft that just occurred. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Spencer Wizard Grossiger. This is a new show, and we're really glad to bring you guys some new material. Spencer, let's get right into it. What is your opinion of the NBA draft at the Barclays Center? Well, I want to relay uh, your thoughts that you just laid out there for our audience. Very thankful for all the listeners out there. And without further ado, let's get into this NBA draft because it was a very exciting night last Thursday, June 26. And uh, just a lot of things went down in the NBA draft for us to ponder. And it gave us a lot of material for the show to analyze. So my first couple thoughts on the draft were really a lot of guys were taken high on teams with point guards. You have Dante Axum, who was taken by the Utah Jazz, a place that had Trey Burke, who had a successful rookie campaign, especially towards the back end of the rookie campaign. Burke from Michigan really came along and really played well. But Axum is a great dribbler of the ball, where Trey Burke can really hurt you from the outside. Um, Versus Kansas, Trey Burke hit that three-pointer from about the NBA three-point line to send that into overtime uh, in the Sweet 16 game in Dallas a couple years ago. So Trey Burke clearly has the ability to, to hit long jumpers. And then you look at Boston. One of the only spots where they don't need any more support is the point guard position because they have Rayshon Rondo as their star point guard. And then with the sixth pick, Boston decided to go with Marcus Smart out of Oklahoma State. So you're seeing guys and you're seeing teams select the best player available rather than looking at need, which is an interesting and occurring theme throughout this NBA draft. Um, Bruce, what picks during the first round did you really like? Which players and what pick did you really enjoy um, to see a team select? Well, when you say enjoying a pick, I think that uh, one of my favorite players in the draft is Julius Randle. I think he's a great value at number seven for Los Angeles. And certainly, um, the uh, I felt the 76ers, uh, I was not expecting them to uh, essentially uh, do such a long view of things, to, to, be, to be kind about it. 
I was expecting to draft some players who would be willing to uh, start developing next year. But instead, uh, we, we drafted Joel Embiid, who had two fractures and who's going to be out for probably at least eight months, if not the whole first year. And another head scratcher was uh, Dario uh, Saric from uh, Serbia, who's a 20-year-old six-foot-ted guy with a lot of potential. But we're going to, as, as Sixers fans, we have to wait two to three years for the Cub of the United States, if he comes here, to give up a lucrative contract in Turkey. So um, th- that's certainly, uh, and I think if we look um, at an analysis of most of the draft reviews, most everybody has the 76ers uh, at the bottom, uh, you know, with respect to their, their draft. In the NBA, you don't want to be in the middle ground. You don't want to be a team that fights for the eighth seed in the NBA draft and a team that claws into the playoffs only to get dismantled by a Miami Heat or a San Antonio in the first round. Because as a franchise, your goal is to either win a championship or to rebuild. It's all or nothing. And I like that style of thinking. And the 76ers are going to have another really poor season next year. They, They have almost the exact starting lineup that they had last year, which was an embarrassing starting lineup to throw out there on the floor, a collection of D-League talent, and you had Michael Carter-Williams that was the one player that actually has potential to be a long-term starter, six-foot-six guard at a Syracuse. So you know that Carter-Williams healthy can be a dynamic point guard and really play the position and add, some, add a different element uh, to the NBA game. So Nerland's Noel will come along this year and you will see him. It's kind of like a Broadway act where only a couple actors are out there on stage and you have to wait like almost the entire show to actually see the full cast come out together. It's like a Broadway cast that basically when all the major characters are in the play, it's already like been an hour and a half. That's exactly like what the Sixers are. They're, they're not going to be unveiling all their players. And the problem is, since you have Noel and Embiid that both have injury problems, there's no guarantee that these two guys can actually work together and be on the floor at the same time. So it's a big risk, but as a Sixers fan, at least you got to know that your owner is going for it all, kind of. He's taking a huge swing. He's not going the conservative route whatsoever. So there's something that has to be said to that, isn't there? Well, again, I'm starting to assimilate. I'm, I'm starting to... It's almost like I was in a state of shock. I really wanted the Sixers to take Doug McDermott with the 10th pick. Even if they're rebuilding for two to three years, there's no harm in having an excellent shooter. And I see the Sixers not having, you know, they didn't draft any shooters. They're all the same kind of player. Uh, Noel and Embiid is defensive, uh, you know, center. Neither one of them are particularly uh, adept at scoring. And then you've got, the guys they uh, they drafted uh, McDaniel and the player out of Syracuse, uh, Jeremy Grant. They're almost the same player as well. They're almost the same as a Thaddeus Young, like as a three. So I just don't see any balance in this team at all. I don't see any scorers, and um, I think next year they just just breaking news: the Sixers just waived James Anderson, who is a guy who actually could score the ball a little bit. So. I think as season ticket holders, you know, we have to be patient. But um, w- one of the problems I have is that 
the 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 seventy sixers ticket office and this the, the salespeople were very aggressive, and everybody was telling us about how next year it's going to be our year and how we're going to have an exciting team, and um, you know I, I wish they were a little less aggressive about it because they got our hopes up, and the the season tickets are are expensive. You know the the average seat in the uh, Wells Fargo Center is a hundred dollars for any team per seat. And it's a lot of money. So, um, you know, again, I'm hoping that some of these guys from Serbia in the second round who I've never heard of, I hope some of them can play. I hope some of them do not have foreign contracts. But it's just a perplexing situation to be a, a Sixers fan at this point. I agree. you got to look at the season ticket holders, and they're doing a horrific job of really uh, – pertaining to the fan base in the near future i mean i kind of feel bad for kids in my generation that are at the perfect age to really have their first love for a team because in fifth it, it actually when i was in second and third grade just discovering basketball for the first time i looked at jason kidd who was on the New Jersey Nets, and I idolized everything he did. And for the 76ers, who are they going to idolize? Tony Roten and a team that is absolutely atrocious and an embarrassment to put out there on the floor? I feel bad for this generation of Sixers fans. And unfortunately, they're going to see teams a team that is just tanking and it's it's the philosophy of sport, and it, it's really sad and pathetic that Brett Brown has to spend another, what is it, 700 days going to his office and knowing that he's going to be a coaching the worst team possibly ever. I mean, last year when I watched the 76ers play, they were losing to the Clippers 80-20. to That's like a YMCA sixth-grade basketball team playing an NBA team. That's how bad the Sixers were last year. And unfortunately for the fan base, you're going to be experiencing that exact same thing. And you won't know the results of this test or this experiment and imagine if this experiment fails. So as a fan, the third pick in the draft, my opinion, I love Embiid. He has great upsides. He's huge. He has natural touch. I mean, this kid's only been playing since he was 16 years old. He's a stud. And if he can get on the floor, he's going to be fantastic and wonderful. But Dario Saric, I'm not going to act like Dario Saric is the next coming of Tony Kukoc. I have no evidence. I don't watch Serbian basketball. And the percentage of guys that are commenting on Saric um, that are just fans out there like you and me probably don't watch Serbian basketball. I'm not even sure there's a package for it on television. So I really wanted them to get get Doug McDermott, or go up and get Nick Stauskas, who was taken number eight. You need shooting, and you need a shooting guard like James Young, Rodney Hood. You needed one of those guys, because you have that. So, you need a shooting guard on this basketball team. Do you agree with that? Well, we certainly need shooters. I would call Doug McDermott a shooting forward, and there there um, there were certainly some some good players in the draft that we seem the Sixers seem to omit getting there are a lot of draft picks a lot of discussion particularly at the top of the draft we really want to talk about Wiggins and Jabari Parker so we really appreciate everybody tuning in this is Bruce the Sports Doc on Voice America we'll be back in three minutes It's a fly ball deep right 
shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. The left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And as you know, we try to split our show between sports analysis and sports medicine. At particular times of year, such as right now after the NBA draft, much anticipated, we will wait heavily on current sporting events. And a very slight amount on something we know very little about, which is uh, the World Cup. So let's get right back to the NBA draft. Let's look at the top of the draft. A guy who certainly was wearing an outfit that won't soon be missed. I believe that he stole the jacket from the, uh, the closet of Mr. Craig Sager. At the top of the draft from Canada, Kansas Jayhawks, Mr. Andrew Wiggins, going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Another Canadian here um, with with uh, it should be called the Canada Cavaliers because they have uh, Anthony Bennett who was selected last year from UNLV. They have Tristan Thompson and they have Andrew Wiggins. Also, they have um, not a Canadian. They also have Matthew Delvadova, who's an Australian. He was one of my favorite players on the St. Mary's Gales. So looking right now at the Cavs. I really thought that they should have went Jabari Parker because they have Dion Waiters that, as a two-guard, could shoot the lights out. I mean, in the rookie-sophomore challenge, Dion Waiters was nothing short of spectacular. Um, I honestly didn't watch that many Cavs games last year, but you could tell that Waiters has been successful reading his box scores and just seeing how versatile he can be as a two-guard. And then you look at Jabari Parker. I mean, this guy is like a Paul Pierce mixed with Tracy McGrady. 
He has athleticism. He's a stocky guy who could put his body into you and finish in traffic. Jabari is polished as an offensive player, and he has a wonderful pace to his game. Where Wiggins, it looks like everything is sped up on offense, and his moves are not well-defined at all. He's so raw. You look at Parker, he is defined, and Parker is a guy that that calculates every move in his game, a smart kid, not going to get into any trouble. Just Jabari Parker is a sure thing, and I'm sure Jason Kidd is going to do wonders with that guy in Milwaukee. So I just thought Parker is the clear-cut first pick because with Andrew Wiggins at Kansas, I noticed some red flags with his game. Is that one, his jump shot isn't near good enough to be a number one pick overall. And secondly, his ball handling, he dribbles the ball way too high, sometimes out of control. Even though he has good instincts, Wiggins still doesn't have that comfortable pace to his game. He still looks hurried. And Wiggins is a star in transition, like getting garbage points and dunking the ball. But Jabari Parker can play in the half court versus very difficult ACC type of defenses. He can jab, pull up for jump shots. He's so comfortable playing in the half court. And Wiggins is so uncomfortable playing in the half court. And again, Wiggins doesn't have defined moves or ball handling that Parker does. So in summary, I think Jabari Parker will help you a lot more now. And I never see Andrew Wiggins really making it to that all-star tier that Parker is for Cleveland. And I looked at Cleveland for them to really bag Jabari, mix him with another Dookie and Kyrie Irving. And start to build that front line around Parker and Irving definitely, in my opinion, would have been the move there for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But at least Drake will enjoy coming to Cleveland now as he has another athlete from from his home country of Canada now and Johnny Manziel and Andrew Wiggins in Cleveland. It's a good time to be a Cleveland sports fan, and I'm sure the radio hosts um, up there in Cleveland are having a ball because uh, both the Cavs and the Browns will be must-see television this year. Well, I think one of the surprises of the draft was that Aaron Gordon from Arizona was drafted so high, number four by Orlando. And looking at him, he's a very exciting player. He also he, he plays some good defense. So being a young guy, I think there's some premium on defense, particularly um, in, in the Eastern Conference, more so than the West. Eastern Conference is more of a defensive conference, n- not as high scoring, not as run and gun. So... Um, I've, I thought Eric Gordon and, and Randall were going to be slated to be mid-level players. And I think that uh, the number four is pretty high for Aaron. And, uh, and let's look at Forbes magazine. He's, he's going to make a whopping $18 million over four years. So he certainly, uh, he certainly won the uh, proverbial lottery. What, what's your analysis of Eric Gordon? Could you break down his game and, and how does he project in the NBA? Aaron Gordon is a guy that you could totally coach up to be an elite level for it. And Aaron Gordon could jump out of the gym. He has great athleticism and raw talent. He's 6'9", and he has a great work ethic, and he's a great kid. If you listen to his interviews, he's so polished as a young man. He's so confident. In his interviews, he doesn't over-talk. And the thing about Aaron Gordon that's spectacular is he's from the Bay Area, but Aaron Gordon is just a defensive monster. 
and he can alter shots. He's a guy that's very springy. He gets up to the top floor, and like you look at everything that you can't coach. You know what you can't coach is athleticism. You can't coach speed and athleticism. And on the break, he can dunk, catch alley-oops. I mean, him, Nick Johnson, TJ McConnell, the guys at Arizona, it was fun to watch them on the break last year because Aaron can just totally be a versatile player on the break. And, you know, shooting is something that's an adapted skill. You look at uh, Blake Griffin, he didn't come into the league with a good mid-range jumper at all. You know, even Dwayne Wade, his outside shooting has really improved so shooting is definitely an area of basketball that you just need to put the time in and the reps so you look at Aaron Gordon and basically I loved where he was taken in the draft I believed he was the fourth best player in this NBA draft so Aaron Gordon is going to be a star in this league because of his work ethic and because he has every he has all the he has all the intangibles and the tangibles like shooting will come and that can be coached well um i'm hoping that the producers back at voice america have a special filter to um filter out with with cats go into a sneezing attack we had something we call sneezes epilepticus by our cat but let's not dwell too much on that let's roll into who I think is a very athletic, somewhat unknown guy, Zach Levine, name spelled Levine. He's going to the northern timberlands of Minnesota. Just a sleek little player, Zach Levine. I mean, his highlight tape, you can watch that thing all night on a loop for seven hours because he has the two things that kids growing up want to have. He has the ooh and the ah. The ooh being he has beautiful range. The ah being this guy can get up and throw it down with the best of them. I mean, Levine will posterize you, and this kid has got springs. If you think Aaron has springs, this guy has springs to another level. I haven't really seen a kid kid that has the springs like he does and uh even looking at just right now if you want to be mind blown go look up zach levine's vertical because that picture is absolutely mind-boggling in so many ways it looks like basically he's standing on a ladder and they remove the ladder and then just take a picture the second the ladder's removed i mean i can't believe someone could get up that high but looking at levine he isn't that developed offensively still very raw he was an elite in college at UCLA he wasn't utilized very well he's definitely a wild card I see him being like a Gerald Green in the NBA but I definitely don't know if Levine has moves that can be potent enough because he needs to really develop a mid-range game and be a become a better ball handler Um, it just really comes down to Levine if he's able to work but I never see him really being an all-star but I definitely see him being a good You know, a guy that can maybe average 12 points his best year. Definitely like a Gerald Green. Not someone that will change change the landscape of the NBA, but an entertaining player that should have a long NBA career. I thought it was real interesting the way Miami um, put out a net for Shabazz Napier, who is the MVP from the Connecticut Huskies. Certainly um, Cinderella team that won the national championship. And apparently LeBron James is a big Napier fan. So what they did is the uh, Miami had to uh, trade spots with Charlotte. And they went and they got Napier. 
And it, it looks right now, just bring, tying things together with LeBron James, he just announced that he's looking for a max contract. Now, my understanding is that when a team signs their current player, who's an unrestricted free agent, then they can offer the most money. So it's my understanding that as far as the Heat are concerned, they could offer LeBron the most money and that he's leaning towards staying with the Heat. And the fact that is um, just a cat sneezing. That's not one of the announcers. Let me make a point here. That is not one of the announcers sneezing because we would – we would dump that, but it's just a cat sneezing. Couldn't be more intelligent on LeBron James. You can't I'm talk. You're actually not the microphone. You know, I think we might want to interview our cat about LeBron James. I think yeah, I think he's trying to um, send a message to us that he wants to talk about LeBron and his contract because he's an avid LeBron fan. Well, he certainly uh, was looking for a three-peat. That is our cat, but it didn't happen this year. So let's talk again. Let's segue away from our cat having a sneezing fit to – Shabazz Napier, uh, one of my favorite players, a gritty guard, perhaps a little undersized, but he's going to be going. He's taking his talents to South Beach. Yes, Shabazz Napier definitely won the lottery of NBA point guarding uh, duties because he should have, if if Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, everything goes according to script, he should have he should have LeBron James, the best player in the world, as his three. As his three. He should have Dwayne Wade, who can come in and contribute. And then you look at Pat Riley, he's probably going to get another big-time free agent. So they're going to try to go after Carmelo Anthony or Kevin Love. And knowing Pat Riley, he's a guy that gets what he wants. So it, I think Shabazz Napier found himself in a perfect situation. And even though he's undersized, Napier does have great range, and he has one of the best pull-up jumpers I've ever seen at the college level. And he displayed that all March, really stealing the show, leading his Huskies to a national championship. That's the end of the second segment. Um, stay tuned for Bruce the Sports Doc. We're going to be talking some more NBA. We might dabble into other sports topics as well coming up. We'll throw out some headliners in three. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. It's time that we play the NBA free agent game. Very simply, it's called Where Would You Go? The way this game works is we mention the name of a free agent, and then we do a brief stream of consciousness about where would you go if you were him. So, Spencer the Wizard, let's start off with you. Your name is Carmelo Anthony. You've just had a lackluster few years buried in the basement in Madison Square Garden. Now, they let you out. You're seeing the sunlight for the first time. And the question for you is simply, where would you go? Well, it was funny, the description of that, you know, because I'm sure, like, I've left Madison Square Garden a couple times. I think Carmelo Anthony's had some very nice vacation time. And... Looking at the New York Knicks, the team that I am currently on in the basement of my practice facility there at the Garden, you have Phil Jackson, who you know as a GM is going to do everything in his power to build you a championship team. And why not Why not go and trust a general manager that he can't fit any more rings on his finger? The guy has 10 championships, so that's already a place to start. Then you look at Derek Fisher. When I think of Derek Fisher, I think of two words, player's coach, a guy that totally understands the NBA. It's kind of like having a parent or living with a guy who's 24 years old and you're a high school senior. It's kind of like your dad would be like a 24-year-old and you're you're in high school. I mean, just a guy that understands the NBA landscape, understands what's going on in the current system with current players, and not a guy that is really going to railroad you and and uh be too strict so i I think fisher is actually going to be a guy that can get down to business because i've seen how smart Derek can be on the basketball floor but at the same time it's going to be fun playing for d fish and you look at guys like jason kidd mark jackson steve kerr young coaches with not a lot of experience that come right from playing into the into a head coaching position and still have success so that's not a horrible option, but in short, the place where I would go is the Chicago Bulls because the one hole in Carmelo Anthony's career or his one Achilles heel, some would say, is he basically has no finals appearances and no championships. You even look at Barkley and Ewing, two guys that were elite Hall of Famers in the 1990s. Both of them made the finals. Even Clyde Drexler, great players, at least make it to the NBA championship and can play on ABC in June. And Carmelo Anthony has never reached that upper echelon of basketball for that season. And by going to Chicago, he's going to be playing with Derrick Rose, who is one of the uh, one of the best point guards in all of basketball when healthy. Just a guy that's a freak athlete 
such an elusive player as Derrick Rose can get to the tin at will. And even if you're playing with an 80% Rose, that's still a great point guard to be playing with. Then you look at the culture in Chicago, Tom Thibodeau, his defense, his intensity. Carmelo Anthony, if I'm Carmelo, I know I'm not a great defender, but it's time for me to show that I can be a team player. I've already padded stats in Denver and New York City. It's time to actually start winning rings, and it's time to really complete my career because I've shown that I can score the basketball. What I haven't shown and what people are doubting me for is working together and being a winner and a champion. And with Joakim Noah, Taj Gibson, Dougie McBuckets, and a great point guard in Derrick Rose, Chicago would be my landing spot. Now, Bruce, I am going to offer you a name. Your name, first off, you're a guy from Oregon, and your name starts with a K and ends with an E. Kevin Love, all-star power forward, Minnesota Timberwolves. Where is your next destination? Where do you want to go? My answer to that would be the Los Angeles Lakers. The thing about Kevin Love is he's an exciting player. He's got some charisma, great rebounder, and he's been buried essentially in in the, the Timberwolves territory, and he's had virtually no marketing exposure. So if I were him, I'd want to go to either New York or L.A. where I could get some, some marketing dollars and I could let people in the country and internationally know who I am. I think that combination of Kobe and Kevin Love would be a, a really interesting team. They still need to attract a coach to the Lakers. So I, I would say that, uh, that K-Love is, is going to um, get a very nice contract. And as far as I could tell, I would lean towards the L.A. Lakers as a landing spot. Well, commenting on that is that the Lakers are c- completely desolate of, of players to win an NBA championship. And Kevin Love, knowing him, I think he definitely cares about winning more than his brand. I mean, his game, he's he's kind of takes pride in being the guy that, that he plays with an edge, a chip on his shoulder, and he's the guy who does all the dirty work. So he's not like the glamorous like Carmelo Anthony that shoots threes, posterizes guys. He's kind of like a grinder, believe it or not, Kevin Love. And knowing his personality in real life, I don't know. I do get where you're coming from, from exposure, but I could definitely see Kevin Love in Chicago, as mentioned, or possibly on a team like Houston that has pieces because the Lakers are really scarce at having all-star elite talent. Next name I'm going to come up with is uh, D. Wayne Wade. This guy... Uh, has a potential back steal next year and a player option. So he's going to, in my view, want to stay in Miami. There's no real reason for him to leave. Um, But, again, I don't mean to bias you towards the answer. But my name is Dwayne Wade, and my name has three syllables. And where where am I going? Right, I kind of thought you wanted to say D Wade, but at the last second you wanted to add the the full uh, the full name of Dwayne. Um, you look at Dwayne Wade, and I'm unfortunately I'm a guy who's over my 
who's over the hay of my prime of my career. My numbers are down. I can only play for 25 games in a season. I'm hobbled. I've been injured ever since Marquette. I'm, I'm hobbling into the gym. Um, but if I can get on the floor, I'm the clutchest player in the whole league. I know when to shine at the big moment. I've won championships. I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I love my life in Miami. My kids have grown up here. I've lived my whole career here. And the fans, they, they've lived with me and, and um, basically have been there along every step of my career. And it would be so fitting to stay. Also, if you look, I could go another place and, and pad on to my paycheck and make more money elsewhere. But the bottom line is, is that I wouldn't be playing in the NBA Finals. I probably wouldn't be in a better destination than South florida where i don't have to pay taxes and i definitely state taxes (laughs) then florida everyone and we would just pack up and go right to florida right now but yeah thank you for correcting necessary connection correction there so I look at Wade, and the only chance he really has of playing in the finals is being a role player, taking the modest approach, letting your, your boy LeBron James stay, and um, and finishing the career with LeBron in Miami. So I would have to agree with you there with Dwayne Wade. The next guy I want to ask you about is Christopher Bosch. Well, Chris Bosch kind of tipped his head a little bit. I think of all the big three in Miami, I think he enjoys Miami the most. He really enjoys living there. And uh, I think he's really in a good situation because he is, unlike Toronto, where he was really the man. And frankly, I, I, I actually enjoyed him as a player when he played for Toronto. I don't want to say that I didn't enjoy him much in Miami. But I think he's, he has every reason to stay there. He's got a good contract. He's got a player option. I, I believe that actually... You know, the big three all talked about exploring the free agent market. I think they're going to all come back to Miami. Maybe that'll give the, the fans, maybe Miami, maybe they won't leave at halftime there. Who knows? Maybe they'll be excited. But I, I think Bosch is staying in Miami. I don't think there's any question about that. Although, if I were Dwayne Wayne, unfortunately, with those three guys there, they're going to have a very limited ability to, to side free agents and to add the role players necessary for the Heat to again become a championship team. So if I were LeBron, I, I'd kind of I'd want Chris Bosh to, to move on so that we could use his salary to, to bring in some good players. But uh, that, that's, that's my thoughts. What would you do if you were Bosh? If I was Bosh, I would stay right in Miami. I mean, even though you're kind of known as the third wheel, especially when Dwayne Wade is playing well, you're just a guy that has really gotten used to the role of, of staying out on the perimeter. You've improved your jump shot. And unfortunately, in, in Toronto, he had more explosiveness. He could be more dynamic in the way he plays the game as he was great on the interior as well as the exterior as well as shooting the ball. So I definitely just I don't see Bosch leaving at all. And he'd have trouble winning a championship and being relevant. He'd probably average 16 points. And when he was young in Toronto, he was a guy that could just carry the franchise kind of like Kevin was doing in Minnesota and kind of like Mello was doing. The last name I want to mention is a guy that uh, well we could say is probably the best the best player on the planet in LeBron James and this is kind of the million dollar question kind of the grand poobah of this game of where would you go and actually if I was LeBron personally as a fan I definitely want to interject here 
I would kind of love to see him in Los Angeles for the Clippers playing with Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin. Could you imagine how much fun that team would be? But also, what a story. LeBron James coming back to Cleveland, coming home after going to Miami, kind of rubbing the fans the wrong way with the decision, and then kind of like in a story of Cleveland redemption, the witness signs come back up, him, Manziel, Andrew Wiggins running Cleveland, and if Cleveland wins a championship, it would be just the greatest turnaround in the history of sports possibly if he could achieve a championship and they'd be partying there and I think that everybody would forgive LeBron in Cleveland so that would kind of be like a Hollywood ending as a fan I would like to see him go to Cleveland and if not why not go to the LA Clippers and just have fun in LA take a little less money obviously but still have a wonderful chance of winning a championship with all the talent Doc has around well, I believe if he does leave Miami, you're absolutely right. The Clippers will be the landing spot. I think that Dan Gilbert and he, you know really trashed him badly, and, and I'm not sure that's a reconcilable relationship. But we, we've come to the end of this segment here, the third segment of our new show. And stay tuned. We've got a solid sports medicine topic coming up in the fourth segment. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in three minutes. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. He's still out. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we... We cover everything. everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc. We've just completed week 12 of the NFL. On today's show, we're going to lead off talking about some recent hits and concussion information. 
And we're going to have a breakdown by Spencer the Wizard on the NFL around the league, week 12. We're also going to replay a segment, an interview with two Super Bowl champion wide receivers from the New York Giants. Without any further ado, let's get rolling. The New York Giants just got blitzkrieged on Monday Night Football in the Dome by the New Orleans Saints. What was noteworthy was one particular play in the fourth quarter. Perhaps out of frustration, Kenny Phillips speared Jimmy Graham in the head. That is, another player had uh, grabbed Graham and... Kenny Phillips launched himself helmet to helmet, and when you saw Graham down on the ground, his back was arched. Watching with Spencer the Wizard, he noted that he surprised that Graham's head didn't fly off his, his neck. That's how severe this hit was. Kenny Phillips was fined $20,000 for a hit earlier on Zach Miller of the Seattle Seahawks. So you could only imagine whether there will be a bigger fine or perhaps a multi-game suspension for Kenny Phillips. It's an appropriate launch point to talk about a concussion update. Firstly, a concussion means a transient, diminished central nervous system activity. And this can be seen in the field of sports. It can be seen on the military battlefield. It could also be seen on the highways around the United States. The key thing is motion, where the brain is actually thrust forward and backward, which we call coup counter coup. And the part of the skull inside, which is closest to the brain, are called the petrous ridges. And the temporal lobes get thrust against the bone and likewise the frontal portions of the brain are very vulnerable to trauma. So let's look at concussion, and then we'll try to go back to the anatomy and try to explain what happens and why it happens. The first signs of concussion are usually dizziness, blurred vision. Other signs involve direct functions of the temporal lobe. That is anxiety, depression, even psychosis, and memory loss, trouble concentrating, and reduced reaction time. This can be particularly devastating if a player tries to prematurely return to the field of play, regardless of the sport. With reduced reaction time, the player would be vulnerable to a second hit and what's known as the second impact syndrome. This is a devastating situation where a patient's brain actually begins to leak electrolytes and the blood vessels become pressurized and there's a tendency for rupture of the blood vessels. Uh, Rupture of blood within the brain obviously extends beyond the diagnosis of concussion into intracerebral hemorrhage. So let's quickly break down the types of bleeds. One is, if there's a bleed within the brain substance itself, it can be called a contusion, a cerebral contusion. 
if there's a rupture of one of the blood vessels outside of the brain, this is called a subdural hematoma. And if there's a rupture of the blood vessels and essentially blood is dumped into the spinal fluid, into the ventricular system, this is called a subarachnoid hemorrhage. This underscores the importance of athletes being taken out of the field of play as soon as a concussion is recognized. The NFL has instituted a policy where sideline testing is noted, and when patients have been diagnosed with a concussion, they are, pre- they are restricted from returning back to the field of play until they are symptom-free of concussion and until they're cleared by a licensed board-certified neurologist, such as your trusted host, that would be me, Bruce the Sports Doc. So how do we treat patients who suffer concussions? Number one, they must be taken out of the field of play. Number two, their brain must be allowed to rest. Typically, go back into the locker room. Let them lie in a dark area. And most importantly, make sure there's restoration of sleep. Many patients with concussion have their reticular activating system, which is part of the brainstem, malfunctions, probably due to the association areas within the brain. So that is during the day, they're extremely fatigued and hypersomnolent, and at night, they have trouble initiating sleep. So as a neurologist who actively treats concussions, what are the types of medications we use to treat patients with concussions? Number one, we use sleep aids. We could use a mild benzodiazepine, a Valium-like drug like clonazepam or Ativan or even Restoril. Or we could use a drug called Ambien, which is known as Zoldapam or Lunesta. And therefore, the patient should be allowed to get sleep. And further, the patient should rest their brain. A lot of young athletes are in the habit of using the electronic devices. We're talking about the cell phone with texting, voicemail, conferencing, and also just general use of the computer. And when patients are being treated for concussion, they should rest the brain, close down and shut down the computers and the cell phones, be allowed to resume normal sleep patterns. And for those in high school and in college, it's often required that they take time off from academics. Now, it's a difficult situation here because there's pressure from the team to get them back to the field of play. There's also academic pressure, whether they're in high school or college. But it's very important for the treating physician, the neurologist, the sports medicine doctor, to basically become actively involved to deal with school administrators, coaches, teachers. And there's often a need to, um, to have them take off from their classes, possibly have a sabbatical, and at times have limited homebound instruction. To have to study and look at keyboards and read textbooks is particularly difficult in the setting of concussion. Other medications that can be used for concussion deal with the symptom of headache. The symptom of headache is certainly one of the top three symptoms that are noted by patients following concussions. The headaches will often be around the eyes 
or in the back of the head. And the medications we use can include combination analgesics such as butalbital, otherwise known as estric plus, the use of anti-inflammatory agents that can be found over-the-counter, including ibuprofen and naproxen, are also helpful with headache. A lot of the headaches following concussion are very similar in character to true migraine headaches. That is, throbbing headaches, pain over an eye, nausea and vomiting, as well as aphilia fatigue. So there's a whole class of medicines which are called the triptans. Now, these medicines actually stimulate the serotonin receptors in the brain. There's a whole host of them. It's a drug called Ibitrex, otherwise known as Subitriptan. They can be taken orally, can be ejected, or through the nasal route. There's a drug called Maxalt, which is, uh, can be taken orally or sublingually. A chemical called dihydroergotamine. Who makes up these crazy names anyway? DHE. What that does is it helps constrict the blood vessels, and it's thought to stimulate the serotonin receptors. There's an inhaled drug called migranol, which is a form of DHE. DHE can also be injected, and in certain settings for patients with intractable headaches, DHE can actually be given in a very low concentration through an intravenous in order to abort a uh, protracted headache which has a migrantist character. Finally, we have testing, various types of examinations clinically, and one which is most embraced nationally is called impact testing, developed by Dr. Mickey Collins and Associates at the University of Pittsburgh. The nice thing about impact testing is that most teams nationwide offer a baseline, high school, college, pros, and that way after a concussion, we as doctors might check the patient every two weeks with an impact test, and the impact test will check how they react to visual cues, verbal cues, reaction time, and motor speed, and it's a 20 to 30-minute test. It also is offered in up to 70 different languages. So the impact test, we wait for the patient to be symptom-free. We wait for their impact test to return to baseline or near baseline. We palliate the symptoms of concussion, and eventually the patients are able to return to some exertion, some training, some aerobic activity, and eventually segue back to their respective sports. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 
visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 